had this yardstick that makes me think of those little girls. Because each time they run out and say, Daddy, 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 I think I grew. Come measure me. Put another line up there. I think about this yardstick that we always measure them with. And I'm like, man, we can just count the days, the months, the years by inches. We literally can count these days and see their growth. And how many of you guys are like me that all of a sudden just wake up some mornings and you're like, when did you get so old? Where has the time gone? And I've been talking to some other parents with the same ideas, and I'm like, I don't think it matters if they're seven weeks old, seven days old, seven months old, seven years, for some, 27, 37. I don't know if it matters how old your kids are. I think you're still looking and going, wow, where'd the time go? I want to take this measuring stick of years and flip it this way. And I want to follow along today and track with this as being the years that we have on earth. Those years that go by so, so quick. And if we're starting here, everybody has an ending point. And I don't know where exactly I am on here. I don't know if somewhere in that middle part. I don't know if I'm somewhere over here. I'm not sure. But I think if we can take what Moses said in Psalm 90 and verse 12 to heart, I don't know if it matters where we are in here, but if we take what he says of saying, Let's, let us learn, Lord, teach us to number these days. If we can learn that each one of these truly matters, each day has an impact, and we start to go, you know what, I'm going to start living not for here, but for those days that last forever. Father, teach us to number these days so we can have a heart of wisdom. And so these days, as quick as they go this way, can be pretty impactful. And I think we can, we can start numbering them. I've talked to a couple other parents who have said, you know what, as they get older in their teen years, you can literally start numbering the days on an easier track for when they're leaving your house. And for some, maybe that, woohoo! But for others, maybe that puts a little bit of a pit going, what do we need to do to get them there? So that way they're successful when they leave our house. How do we have this metamorphosis of our time? How do we change how we view this? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in this so this is more impactful for this? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to use the book Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, to read a story about Mary and Martha. And we're going to try to put this into a little bit more of a perspective on how we can use our days and number them, as Moses had said. So we're going to read this in its entirety, and then we'll come back to it. Luke 10, 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not be taken away from her. 
on the back of your bulletin, you'll see for some of you note takers, there's just three rough notes or sections and then blank spots. Feel free to take any notes that you would like in those sections. And the first one says distractions. And we're going to look more at that as what uh, Luke says in verses 40 and 41. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And when I read this, I'm interpreting this as being, she has so much going on. She is distracted. She is busy. She's got a lot of stuff happening right now. So she's kind of in this frantic mode, like, Lord, I got so much to do. Tell her to help me. And instead of Jesus bringing the hammer down and saying, you got this wrong, instead of being sarcastic with her, instead of being condemning with her, instead, he brings the level down and he comes from a point of caring and compassion and love and concern for where her heart is. When we see the name Martha being put in there two times, that's what it's saying. It's Jesus saying, man, Martha, Martha, I'm concerned about you because you're worried and upset about many things. I get this picture of Martha being in the home and she's doing all this stuff in the kitchen. And Jesus, his disciples and Mary are all in the other room. She's doing all this stuff for Jesus while they're with Jesus. And there's a big difference there. Because we could take this at surface level and say, well, Martha, she opened her home. She's getting it ready. She's cleaning. She's baking. She's doing all this stuff. Isn't that good? Well, Jesus puts this on a pedestal and he ranks this. He said, there is something better. And that's to be with me, not for me. And I wonder, what's Martha's motive? What's really got her acting this way? What's her drive? Why is she so busy? Why, what's all this distraction about? And I think the busyness of our lives are comfortable. Because if we didn't have the busy, we'd have silence. And if we didn't have the busy, we'd be left to go, uh, now what do I do with myself? I'm not really sure, but this is really uncomfortable. But I know that if I'm chasing around all over the place, I know I'm not going to be in silence, and that at least is comfortable. That I have control over. When my schedule goes from this meeting to this meeting to this meeting to this meeting to this meeting, I can run this. I've got this schedule down. I can control this. I know how it's going to work. And then there gets this little sense of pride that can sneak in there. Because this appearing busy or making ourselves busier than we often should be makes us feel important. We can get stuck in this busyness that I'm sensing from Martha's like, but if my house is clean and if I'm cooking all this food for you, then other people are going to be like, oh, good job, Martha. And then I can feel proud of that. I can feel proud of the work that I've done to get to this point. And she's so preoccupied with this busy that she's missing Jesus. And I get this hunch that Jesus is just kind of there going, Martha, you think I care that your house is spotless? You think I care that you've got this extravagant meal with all these courses ready for me? You think I worry about that stuff? Martha, I want you, not your preparations. Martha, you could have went next door, grabbed five pizzas for 10 bucks, threw them in the oven. I would have been happy with that. But now you're making all this food. Sure, it's great. I don't know how to pronounce any of it, but it's great. But you're missing the boat here, Martha. And I love this book. 
because I will always use this as an excuse when anybody comes to visit my house. It is not clean, and you're getting Papa Murphy's. <laughs> I'm just trying to not be like Martha people, all right? Just, just trying to be more like Mary. But she's busy. And there's this old saying that says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because either way, you're of no use to God. It seems to be our culture. We seem to reward busy. I saw a picture come up on Facebook, which I'll get to, but I saw this picture come up on Facebook the other day. It was kind of a guy in like a smug look, I would say. And he said, oh, I remember, or you work 40 hours this week? Ha, huh, I remember my first part-time job. I'm like, how true is that of our society that that's the impression that people are getting? Then I read some of the posts on there and the guys are kind of chuckling back and forth about, oh, 40, man, I remember those days. Pfft, the easy life, right? No, we're grinding it, man. We're hitting it hard. And that's then celebrated. And that's what Martha's doing. She's just grinding it, working it hard, and she's missing the boat here. And our society kind of feels this way. Fast food, whoo, is that ever taken over? We want it fast. We need to drive right through. We can't even get out of our vehicles anymore. And man, you better have that out within a couple minutes because I am on the fly. We talk about workouts. If you've ever seen any of those like infomercials, 90 minute, 90 minutes, are you kidding me? Let's get down into 60, 60, 30. All right, now you're getting my lane. Eight minute abs and I can look like that? Bring it. Now we're talking. We need something fast. I've got stuff to do. We've got an important life going on here. How many of you guys really enjoy red lights? You ever get stuck at a few of them in a row out on Calumet? You get in one of those bad times where you're going the wrong way when they're trying to get traffic through? Are you kidding me? You ever get to one of those and you're like, all right, is anybody really around here? Do I need, can I like, all right, if nobody's around, there's nobody even coming. Why is this thing, all right, any police around? Can I just go? Can, nobody will know. Oh, great, green, save me from having to do that. All right? This week I'm preparing this message and I get in and in the morning I've really taken a liking to YouTube. I've got a couple of videos that I'll play and like the worship songs that I just feel like it centers my heart for the morning. And uh, so I get in and I start logging that in and I push play on kind of the few that are going to roll through and, and uh, Austin, I'm kind of already just jamming with the air piano and waiting for it to come on. I don't know how to play piano or what that would be doing but I, I feel the music here and all of a sudden some lady's voice comes on and it's definitely not the singer that I planned. I'm like, what is going on here? So I go over, ready to go skip ad. I can't skip the ad. Have you guys ever been in that? Like you watch somebody and it doesn't let you skip the ad? Like, are you kidding me? Now I gotta sit through 30 seconds of this ad that makes no sense. Well, I don't even care about whatever they're talking about. And I'm like, you know, what am I gonna do for 30 seconds now? And I pull up my notes and I'm like, oh, busyness, can't sit still, red lights. Yeah, I'm having a struggle with this right now. I almost find that God's kind of comical in those ways that he puts my notes right in front of me at that time that I'm starting to, starting to boil because I need to get going, I need to get going, I need to get going. I've got a lot of stuff going on, I'm busy. What about waiting in line for a grocery store? How fun is that? Anybody do that with kids along? Woohoo, that is a joy, isn't it? <laughs> you start getting hot under the collar, you get about 18 things thrown in. No, Daddy, can we have going? Can we have going? Yes, no, no, wait, stop, wah! You guys ever go and just pick a line that's long and just be like, I'm going to practice patience today. <laughs> no? Yeah, me either. But here's one that's got me thinking. And even this morning, and as much as I, I, I wrote this ahead of time, and I did this this morning, and I'm, I'm walking by and I'm greeting people, and it's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Good? 
Good, all right, cool. Have a good one. I feel like we've exchanged how are you doing for just another way of saying hi. Because if you're anything like me, do you stop and care about the answer? How many times do we just say, how are you? Good. Why am I saying good? Because you don't really want to know. You don't really have the time to sit and listen to how I've been doing. Every now and then I actually challenge myself and say, how are you doing? Somebody says, good. Why? What's been good? What's been good? Uh, I don't know, like just stuff. We're so thrown off because somebody actually wants to know how we're doing. But that's where we've gone. We're so busy that a question where we're actually supposed to communicate with one another has gone to, hi. And that's what it means. Our lives get busy and we can get distracted by many things. In January, I was at a conference with my wife and uh, I've talked to her about this, got clearance to share, just to put that one out there. But uh, between one of the sections, the speaker gives us kind of lasting questions. He says, here's what I want you to ponder as we grow into break and then come back hopefully with everything discussed. He said, I want you guys, your spouses, to look at each other and say, has there been anything that's been bothering you about me lately? Is, is there anything that has been on your mind that you just haven't had time or haven't had the option or ability to express to one another yet? I would like you to go and challenge each other to talk about those things now. And he's basically like, because if there's anything that you need help with, we've got a room full of pastors. We, we could probably figure this out. Um, so I'm like, okay. I feel like I'm getting duped here. I feel like I've seen this play out before, and I'm not sure how this is going to end. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to be smart here. I got this one. Honey, let me go first. Sweetheart, there's nothing that's bothering me about you. You are perfect in all of your ways. There's nothing I would want to change. I accept you as you are. I mean, if you would ask me to marry you over again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Okay, baby, now your turn. <laughs> Lay it on thick. Yeah. The laying on thick wasn't coming real quick. This little tingly feeling started to go to, there's a churning in here. Refocus, center myself. All right. I feel like there's something you want to say. Well, yeah. Okay, what is it? Well, I feel like sometimes when we're at home at night that your phone becomes more important than me and the kids. Hmm. That's not the warm and fuzzy that I was trying to break into. That's, that's some conviction there. So now I have to kind of go, okay, what do I do with that? How do I respond to that? Because that one kind of stings, and I think it's supposed to. Not by the way she said it. Very loving and very caring. But it's conviction going, hmm, you're right. Because every time that phone dings in my pocket, I'm at home, What's that email? Okay, yeah, I'll just deal with this right now. Why wait till tomorrow morning? I can just, I'll hammer this out real quick. And at the same time, they're, they are seeing that. And then what are they seeing? What's my value? My value right now says that whatever this email is about is more important than they are. And there's truth to that because what they see and what I'm doing actually means something. So I had to go, do a little heart check. I had to do a little gut check. We talked through, okay, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I make this better? So at least one little trick I found is when I get home, I take my phone out of my pocket and I put it on the counter because then it's less accessible. And if I'm really going to do something, I'd have to get up from whatever we're doing and go over and then check. So it's a little less accessible than just being, oh, check that real quick. 
And the long-standing thing that we've done is dinner time. It doesn't matter what phone's dinging, what phone's vibe, what's ringing, it's off. It, it, you're not getting me during dinner time. That's just going to happen. And I would ultimately say that I've now become way uh, better, not great, but at least better at being able to say, you know what, whatever's going on, that email, that text, that can wait. This is more important, and I need to show that this is more important. It's ultimately kind of difficult to see, I feel like, when you're in that situation. When you're in the middle of it, you don't always see it from the outside perspective. So you need somebody to be able to say, you know what, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm observing. And then it's kind of nice how this stuff happens, and when you allow the Holy Spirit to do some work in you, he just points it out. So later on that week, I've got my three girls at the YMCA, and they're all in swim lessons. And so they're at swim lessons, and I'm like, that phone's dinging. I'm like, nope, leaving it in here. Leaving it in here, just going to watch. And it's at that time that I look up, and there's my middle daughter just waving. Ah, big smile on her face. And wave back, you know, big smile, look over at the other one. Lily's giving me a big thumbs up from the other side of the pool. Give her a thumbs up back. Then I'll scan over, and Brindley's over there. And she's like, watch, watch, watch. I'm going to go all the way across the pool. I'm like, all right, I got you. I got you right here. And I just think, wow, if I had reached in and just did that ding, I would have missed that, that, and that. I would have missed all those moments and all those smiles. So then I start scanning the rest of the room. There's 17 parents, adults, grandparents, whoever's there with their kids. 14 doing this. Like, man, what are you guys missing? What have I been missing all this time by being so attached to this technology? What are the distractions that we have in our lives? We can see it better from an outside perspective. There's a photographer who put together uh, kind of a mural of sorts, and he titled it Removed. This is about two years old. And what he did was basically recognize that as he's walking around, he's noticing that all these situations and all these settings, family members, they're all on their phones. And this is an epidemic of sorts. And so we're going to be able to scan through some of these pictures, and you're going to see what does it look like when the phones or the technology or tablets have been removed. And if you're anything like me, as, if you're anything like me and as you look at these, maybe there's going to be some conviction in your own heart. Because how much has this become the norm? How much have we spent time together but being separate? The statistic says that in uh, 2005, talking about social media, 7% of adults were on social media in 2005. In 2015, when the photographer did this, it was up to 65% are on social media. My guess is that at this point it's even higher than that. Let's make sure that we can blog about this. We don't want to actually spend time together. We just want to tell everybody else what we're doing together separately. Yeah. Hey, buddy, you want to get together and hang out on our phones together? That'd be awesome. That's what I'm looking to do. What are the other distractions? Phones, social media. I brought up Facebook before looking on there. Social media, anywhere, the research is kind of out there, and it's, it's a gamut. But it'll say that the adult, the average adult in North America who is engaged in social media spends anywhere from 1.8 to 4.8 hours a day on social media. Two, three, four hours a day just paging through social media. Time that we're probably with people or used to be with people. We're now spent just wondering what's everybody else doing. Let's see how glorified everybody else's life looks online. 
And then let's be uh, more concerned about that than about who's actually in our own lives. So some of you else might understand this part. Anybody feel like as a parent you start to run that rat race of driving kids all over the place to all sorts of different tournaments and schedules and practices and, and performances and all sorts of stuff? And again, all these things aren't necessarily bad. What Martha was doing, they aren't necessarily bad when we take it in and of itself. Being involved in activities isn't so bad. But are we missing the big picture? Are we missing the fact that at some point we have to choose what's better? We have to choose among these things. We've got all these options, and they're all great. But how do we choose some of those? In Luke 10, 42, Mary had a choice. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Both Mary and Martha had a choice. They both chose what to do that night. And Jesus ranked them. Martha, what you're doing, we could even say, yeah, that's great, opened up her home, right? Fed him his meal, cleaned up, made sure it was nice, being hospitable. That's a great thing. But you chose that, and Mary chose something that's even better than that. He put those things on a pedestal. So we have a choice each and every day how we spend these, how we spend each and every little tick or every line that we have in here. And ultimately, we all, when we look in this room, each and every one of us has different gifts. We each have different skills. We each have different abilities. We each have different amount of resources. When I think of a bank account, we all have different things like that. But when we look at this, time is our greatest overall resource and time is the greatest equalizer of all. At the end of today, each and every one of us will have had 24 hours. At the end of tomorrow, each and every one of us will have had 24 hours. All of us are going to be judged for how we spend this. And what we do here will have great impact on here. So what do you want to do with this time? I think ultimately, one of the nice things that we can gain from understanding where we are is from those people here who look back and say, you know what? I would have done things different. You know what? If I could go back, I would have done something different. And there's an Australian hospice nurse who put out a blog a number of years ago because she started to realize that all these people she was working with all had regrets. And the blog ultimately became a book. And that book is titled The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I just want to share those with you. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me, not the life this world expects you to do, not the busyness that our society tells us that we're supposed to be living. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. She claims in her, in her book that every single male patient she ever worked with listed this or said this at some point. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I'd rather have spent my time differently when I had the chance. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had the courage to go below the surface with people and truly get that heart connection. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Connect. Be together. Connect in your HDGs. Connect in your communities. Connect with people. We have a longing for people and a deep connection with them. 
Number five, I wish I let myself be happier. I wonder about all these distractions that we have. I wonder about how we're running this rat race and getting from one thing to the next. And these distractions that Martha has aren't allowing us to just be joyful, aren't allowing us to be happy, that they're restricting us. And ultimately what they're all saying is, you know what, I wish I had the opportunity or I wish I had the courage to say no to some really good things because what I needed to do was say yes to the best things. What Martha was doing was really good. She was serving Jesus. But he clearly said, Martha, that's good, but it's not the best. You're missing the boat on this one. Jesus ranked it. He said it. What you're doing is good, but what she's doing is best. And I just want to clarify, if you're wondering what the difference is between good and best, I would say good is anything that you're doing right now. Best is volunteering in student ministries. So if, if you want to try to do what's best, we'll have a conversation about that this week. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 38, Jesus says no to some really good things in order for him to say yes to the best things. And just to give a little back, back story on this, the night before, Jesus had healed a lot of people, he had cast out demons, and he's starting to do work in this town. I'm catching there's probably a little buzz going on. So then we wake up the next morning in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Clearly, there's other people who maybe say, You know what? I need healing. I need what you got. And Jesus' reply, Hey, let us go somewhere else in the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. Jesus said no to a whole lot of good things. In his walk, he said no to a whole lot of good things. We learn he didn't heal every person who had a disease. He didn't give sight to every blind man. He didn't raise every dead person from the dead. Only some of those. Only the ones that as he spends time with the Father, as he goes off to a solitary place to pray, he gets his marching orders, and then he just obeys. You know, I find some comfort in that because I look around and say, man, there's a need. There's a whole lot of people hurting. There's a whole lot of people that need help. But my job isn't to save them all. My job is to save the ones that Jesus tells me to save. My job is to be open enough in my schedule so that when he gives me my marching orders, I follow. And in John 17, 4, Jesus prays to the Father and says, I have glorified you here on earth because I've done the work that you sent for me. That's it. He's not saying I have did everything. I've glorified you here on earth because I finished the work that you gave me to do. All we have to do is finish that work, not everything. And that gives me a little bit of comfort. How do we know what his work is? Well, in verse 39 of Luke chapter 10, if we can look at what Mary's doing and saying, well, she's got all these distractions going on, and then we follow it into saying, well, Jesus said that Mary chose the better. Martha's got all these distractions. Mary chose the better. What's the better? Well, up in 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So how do we get to know what his will is? Ultimately, 
We have to sit at his feet and listen to what he said. But oftentimes we're too busy. But here's something that I learned exactly seven years and one day ago in that mixed. The night, well, Tiffany was pregnant. I didn't say we, but I kind of get that mixed up. I don't want to, you know, sometimes you say we. Yeah, we went to deliver. Well, we didn't. She did. We kind of by, yeah, anyway. Um, so she was very pregnant. A couple weeks ago, and here we are going, man, we got a lot of stuff. We're not ready. This anxiety is kind of kicking in. The room's not ready. The house isn't even clean. Like, we don't even figure out how does this contraption of a car seat work. And we're, we're new at this. We haven't done this before. We got to really figure this out. You know what? I'll bet you would just ease us and let us just realize, why don't we just take a vacation day together in the next couple weeks before, before baby comes, and let's just knock this stuff out. And so we start talking, what about tomorrow? Not tomorrow's really bad. Okay, what about the next week? Yeah, next week. Let's schedule it next week. We'll look at our calendars tomorrow, and we'll schedule it next week. So that's our last conversation before we go to bed. And uh, that next morning, it's about 5.30, and I kind of get this, what? She's like, hon, what do you think about calling in today? Nah, we talked about that last night. I just got, uh, oh, my schedule today is just packed. I'm busy. I got all these meetings I have to reschedule with all this stuff. And, like, today's just not good. Like, let's do it next week. Yeah. Uh, honey, I think my water just broke. Woo! Hang on. Let me make a call. Not coming in today. Got something going on. I'm going to be having a kid. See you guys later. I mean, too busy no longer exists in that world. You know, I just think, too, if a buddy calls me and says, hey, what are you doing next week? Oh, I got a lot going on. You know, pretty busy. I uh, got some meetings. Got, got all this stuff going on. Why? What are you thinking? Well, I just won two VIP tickets to the Super Bowl, all expenses included. I just wanted to take you. Yeah, my schedule just opened up. I'm free that week. Weird. <laughs> it's not necessarily that we're too busy. It's that whatever that carrot is isn't important enough. So when we're asked to sit at the feet of Jesus, where's that level of importance? Because as our busyness goes on through the day, where are we at? Martin Luther is kind of the, the father of the Protestant uh, Reformation back in the 16th century and uh, considered one of, the, one of the greats. And his normal routine in a day was that he would start every morning in prayer for two hours. Anybody do that lately? No, don't actually show your hand. That, um, so the next week, he had a whole lot of stuff going on. It was one of those busy weeks. And we've all experienced busy days, busy weeks, busy seasons. So he had that going on. And somebody said, Martin, how are you going to handle that next week? You've got a crazy busy week. His response was, work. Work from early to late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. How contradictory is that to what we always think? Man, I've got so much to do. I'm, I'm just going to skip that part of my day. You know, maybe I'll get to it later, at end of the night when I'm tired and just falling asleep? What if we understand what Martin Luther understood and said, if I spend more time in prayer, my day is going to become more effective. I'm going to get way more done in way less time. But that's contrary to how we think that spending the time with Jesus doesn't have as much importance to us. And ultimately, we just don't make time to do it. Because if we did, we would value that time with him in prayer. We'd value that time with him spending time in the word We'd pull away, as Jesus did, and spend some time in solitude. You know, there's a lot of times that I think Jesus did a whole lot, 
we've, we've got folks on it. He did a whole lot, but yet, do you ever get the sense that he was running a rat race and crazy and busy? I don't. I think of the time that he finds the woman at the well and sits and has a conversation and say, hey, how you doing? All right, good. See you later. No. How are you? What's your need? I wonder how many of those opportunities that I miss in a regular day are just flying by, being busy, that I'm not actually listening to those moments. I think of sometimes this, this crazy, just go forward life. Think back to days I was coaching football. And think of the linebackers that I would coach. And they're kind of in a tough spot. You know, their, their big job is they got to stop the run, right? But they've also kind of been in this position where, you know what, if it's a pass, you got to get back in your zone or you got to cover the receiver, depending on what you're playing. Well, what we'd often teach them is, you know what, your first read, if you read run, you go and get them. You go 100 miles an hour and you go as fast as you can and blow that play up. And ultimately, if it's a fake, if it's, they're doing play action, they pull back to pass, you know what? You don't stop with the brakes on and go back because that ship has sailed. They're already behind you. If they see them, you're, you're beat anyway. So you make a beeline then for the quarterback and try and get him before he figures out your guy's open. And so we would do that and just go, go, go. You go. If you're going to make a mistake, you make it going 100 miles an hour. And that's the way we're going to get it done. Well, you think, if, it, if this is a game-time situation, the other coach is seeing that our linebackers just on a snap, they, they're just hammering through, hammering through, hammering through. Pretty soon they figure out, oh, play action, dump, pass, play action, whoop, pass. And they make a couple completions in a row. Pretty soon what I got to do is from the sideline go, time out. Come on over, guys. What are we seeing? Because what we're doing right now is not working. You know, this whole just going ahead 100 miles an hour every time, every time, every time is getting us beat. I think how often are we in this mode where we are just going in life 100 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, and we don't just go, time. Am I even going in the right direction anymore? For so long, I've just been going, going, going. I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction anymore. I've got I to gotta take some time. i got to step back. i got to spend some time with Jesus and say, am I on the right track? Or have I just been banging my head against somebody? And I don't even know what's going on anymore. Sometimes we just get in life and we keep going. And we go really fast but we're going in the wrong direction. So how do we ultimately live a life that we can step aside and say, you know what, these distractions, this busyness, this has to stop. I got to start making a choice, understanding that my schedule is busy and I got to choose what I'm going to navigate. And the first thing I'm going to choose is solitude with Jesus. Because if I don't have my marching orders from him, and when I look at this thing, if I'm not living for here, what does this matter? How do we make these count? Well, there's two things that I'm going to suggest that we can start doing to make these little check marks count going along the way. And the first is, let's take an inventory. What do I mean by that? Well, you could actually start to schedule. Every day that you currently do, what are you doing with your time? I've done this before. I've done this with people before, students, adults. One thing that I found when I actually just checked 15 minutes, every 15 minutes for the week, what am I doing? I would find that some nights, my goal was I'd get home and I'm exhausted. Finally, 8 o'clock comes, kids are in bed. I just need to sit down and chill for 15 minutes. So I'd sit down and start doing this thing. And pretty soon I'd grab this thing and I like ice cream. So I'm doing this. Just going to chill for a little bit. And two hours later, I've been doing this the entire time. I'm like, what have I even watched? 
And where'd that gallon go? And as I tracked that, I'm like, wow, I am wasting a lot of time just getting sucked into that. So I need to just eliminate it. At least for me, I know that if I don't start watching it, I'm not going to watch it. I just wonder if, if, if we all take an inventory, not of what do we think we're doing, but what do we actually do with our time, if that would tell us some things that we're like, oh, I didn't know that. I've had a lot of those times in my life, and I've watched a lot of other people who figured stuff out and, and wrote them in and said, I had no idea I was doing this much with this much time. Man, i got to change some things. And then after we take an inventory, we kind of step back and, and survey the land, just as a budget would do. And if you've ever been by a financial planner, they're not going to say anything like, okay, go and spend this, this, and this. Their first thing is, how do you spend your money now? Okay, look back and, and try and figure it out. And then you set a plan. That's the second thing. Take an inventory, set a plan. So if I were to ask you right now, what are the most important things in your life? Probably get a couple ladies. If I'd say list five, whether you actually list them on paper or not, well, you could probably do that. Okay? So if, if I were going to do that and have my top five things, I would say, so I took inventory on my last week, and I know how many minutes I spent on every activity. How well do those come together? I know it's not going to be a perfect science, but if I'm going to say I value my time with God, I value my time with my wife, I value my time with my kids, where are those in the time that I'm spending compared to other things? And one thing that I've learned is if I don't schedule those things in first before anything else, the schedule gets lost. So if I'm saying that, honey, you are important, whether I'm communicating this or if this is implied, honey, you are important, I'm going to spend time with you, but yet, if I go, when's the last time we spent time alone on a date night? And if I start going, uh, what, what month is it? 20, 2017 already? Uh, if we're doing that kind of math, how much value have we really put there? So when we take our inventory and we put her something, I know that if I don't schedule, if we sometimes have gone and go like, yeah, we really need a date night. Next couple weeks, we'll, we'll have a night free and we'll do that. A couple weeks goes by and we haven't done it yet until we actually say, all right, we need a babysitter on this night and we're going out. That's how it happens, when we actually schedule those important things before anything else happens, not after. So here's another situation that I, that I heard that kind of goes in line with this. For any of you guys who have ever had daycare costs, I had a buddy of mine that said, you know what? When I had kids in daycare, I spent a thousand bucks a month. I said, you know what's awesome? They're not in daycare anymore. Yeah, that's cool, huh? You know what's not awesome? What's that? I have no idea where that $1,000 a month is because it's not in my pocket. Like, well, where is it? That's a great question. It's definitely going somewhere. It's somewhere, right? We're spending it. He's like, but I literally have no idea where it is. Like, we used to be able to afford that. Now I don't have $1,000. I think that's the same thing with our time. If we just let it go and we don't schedule it, we can get by in a year and go, what did I do with that year? What just happened? You know, I, first of the year I intended, I was going to work out three days a week, an hour each morning. Then I stopped. And I got to this end of the year and go, what did I do with that time instead? I don't know. But if we schedule it and we schedule it first, it's important. And here's a caution. As we take an inventory, you might feel like, dude, I've got to rewrite this ship. I am completely back. We've got to start doing this. Don't make monumental changes at first. Start with little things. So your little thing today might go, you know what? I am busy. I am distracted by all these things. I need to make a change with that aspect. There's just one thing I need to, you know what, I need to get rid of this. One thing we did a couple years back was, you know, no technology Tuesdays. 
in our home. No TV, no movies, no tablets, no phones, nothing. From the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. Us, kids, all the way. And we just say, no technology Tuesdays. And we just talked about that. We're like, so at the beginning, it's built into other days, and that was great. And now, when we're not staying on top of it, it starts to go back. And we're going to go back to those good things that we started. So what do you do? How do you get rid of something that's distracting and busy? Maybe you say to yourself, you know what? I'm pretty good right now. My schedule isn't overly busy. So what I need to do is spend time in solitude. I need to spend time with Jesus at his feet and say, you know what? Lord, can you teach me to number my days? So that way I have a heart of wisdom for how to spend them. Can you give me my marching orders? So that way these count more for there. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, there's just been this thing that I've wanted to do for a while. I feel like Jesus is putting on my heart and I just haven't done it yet. I need to schedule that. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go and schedule whatever that is. I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to put a date night on my calendar. You know what? I'm going to schedule a time with my kids. I'm going to go and spend a date with them. I'm going to put it all down today because if I don't, it's not going to happen. And maybe you schedule something today. It doesn't have to be a huge shift. But what we do want to do is take a look at our lives and say, are we so distracted and so busy by all the burdens? Are we just running a rat race? Are we choosing things that aren't meaningful for the rest of our lives? Are we spending time at the feet of Jesus? Do we need to start to figure out how we do that? And may our prayer all be the same as Moses. And say, Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to leave here. Help us. Holy Spirit, put up a change in our lives. Help this be a transformation on how we schedule our time so this is more impactful, so we have a heart of wisdom.